TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We are moments away from going out to the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Chat with our good friend Chris Manning about the Cleveland Cavaliers who are off to just an incredible start, folks. Five in a row they've now won. They beat the Celtics in that stretch. They play the Celtics again tomorrow night with a chance to try to sweep them to start the year Back and, and games that are literally within just three games of each other. It's, uh, it's, it's everything you can hope for in a Cavs season thus far. And so we do welcome in our good friend, Locked On Cavs podcast, and from Dime Uprocks Magazine, Chris Manning joining us on the North Olmsted Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Chris, what's going on, my friend? How are you? I'm doing good, man. It's always a pleasure to be on with you. Did you have a good Halloween? Did you do anything like over the weekend? Were there any Halloween parties you got into? Anything fun? I got to go see my niece, who is four, go trick-or-treating. She wore she was dressed up as a chicken. Okay. And her little brother, my nephew, was Superman, and he's like under a year old. He was he's adorable. Um, my wife went to and I sat. I, you know, I did some some yard fire stuff with my brother-in-law. So you know, it's a nice relaxing Halloween, Spencer. I was gonna say uh, I've been talking all night about. Uh, I've been asking people who have kids to share their strategies or uh, tactics for taking candy out of their kid's basket on Halloween because I'm going to need to know for next year. We didn't really do much trick-or-treating this year when you have a five-month-old. It's not really, you know, they're not saying anything. It's just whatever. But um, for next year, I need to know all the tricks. So I w- I- I've been getting some good responses. Some people just said, like, flatly, like, I'm the parent. I can do what I want. It's a dictatorship. Some said uh, it's a it's a dad tax. So you're like, oh, I took you trick or treating, so you got to pay up with like seven pieces of candy. So yeah, I've been uh, I've been collecting some some tactics for stealing candy from my kids next year. What what, what would you do to to trick your children into uh, giving you candy if you had them? I would just I think I would just take it. <laughs> you would just like, go the dictatorship route. <laughs> like you get you know taking like a 15, teaching them about taxes. You know, it's fifteen percent off the top. You got you know. <laughs> I love it. There was oh some people said too like. If you, they had kids that don't like chocolate, so they just don't eat all the chocolate candy, and then they get all the chocolate candy, which that's like the jackpot right there. So that sounds yeah. up my alley. I mean, I, kids, kids have weird tastes. I mean, like my niece loves, I don't know if you guys are like Mitchell's connoisseurs, but she loves like the blue Cosmo ice cream, mm. and that just tastes like sugar. Like it doesn't taste like anything <laughs> good. It's just bad, but she loves it because it's blue. Kids have bad taste. 
That's a good point, actually. Like, yeah, kids like the color of things more than they like the taste of things. I think sometimes you're 100. Yeah, she's like it's blue, yeah, and it's like that's all that matters. Like green, I think is a gross color to eat, which is why vegetables are like a no-no. But if you made vegetables like pink, like if beans were pink, kids would just eat it all the time. They'd be like, oh, I want that pink stuff. That looks good. Serve kids purple broccoli at lunches instead of green broccoli, and we'll solve like we'll get kids eating healthy balanced diets. So we, we solve we solve the problem, Spencer. I think we so. just solved childhood obesity. Yes, we we yeah. we got to the bottom of it. We're talking with Chris Manning on the North Olmsted Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. You can follow him on Twitter at CWM Rights. I promise we'll get into some Cavs talk now. First and foremost, uh, we got a little bit of an update from JB Bickerstaff. On Darius Garland, sounds like he practiced. Are you anticipating that he plays tomorrow night, or is this going to kind of be a a continual slow play for the Cavaliers at this point? If you read between the lines of what he said, Spencer, I I think it you're we're leaning towards Garland playing. Um, okay. It, the way he said it, and just saying like he's gone through stuff that he practiced, you know that there were some people spotted him without his goggles on and stuff. It would make you think like he's on his track to play. It's the first time he's not the listers out. He's questionable. It, it, so it seems like he's going to play. Maybe like the swelling is still kind of weird tomorrow when they wait until Friday in Detroit or something. But I think tomorrow at the very, very least is the most likely he's going to be back since this injury happened. Um, you know, I, like if you, I'm sure people did like that rooting of any picture that could or maybe his sunglasses are off at games, but. Like, I think from all accounts, the eye was still kind of swollen, and that is the thing Bickerstaff has harped on the most. And what he said today about, like, it going down and, and him getting to practice and stuff, that would lead you to think that tomorrow is the best chance for Garland to play since since opening night. What has surprised you most about this Cavaliers team so far? Because I think we all kind of expected, like, yeah, they're going to be good, and there's going to be some growing pains because they're still a little bit young, and they got to kind of f- figure things out with Donovan Mitchell – Obviously, they've been down Darius Garland, as you just alluded to. So getting him back into the fold, like, how will that kind of work? We haven't seen the true iteration of the the starting five, all but I guess like a half of basketball, really. So what has surprised you most just about this team and the start that they've had? They lose the first game and then win five in a row to where we're at kind of today going into the second matchup with the Celtics. So I, I think what has surprised me more than anything else is how maybe I underestimated the role players and maybe I underestimated what Mitchell could do in terms of emphasizing those guys. But I think he's really made some of these guys look more functional and, and have it look like, I think like Jetty Osmond, it's a little different than the Osmond Rubio stuff from last year, but like he's getting Jetty Osmond corner three looks and Jetty's looking better and trying on defense and things like he has looked better in that context. You know, LaVert has been off to a really good sh- you know spot uh, shooting the year from three has done a really good job, I think, finding the open man over and over again. That's not something I always thought was a strength of his, but he's been really good at it so far. He's kind of bought into that role. So I, I think it's just like how good those role guys have been on top of, like Mitchell has been, I think, one of the best players in the league so far. He has been one of the, at the, the very least, one of the best offensive players in the league. His numbers across the board so far are ridiculous. Um, he's He's been sensational. And for the Cavs, too, right now, only have one loss. They have a top five offensive rating, a top five defensive rating without Garland and Mitchell being as good as it's like all kind of surprising how fast they've kind of again, how like well they have played and, and with some of the role guys really contributing. I mean, like Harris Levert played the game, the Cavs game with his life against the Celtics last Friday. Jetty, you know, has had kind of two back-to-back egg games, but has overall been, I think, better than you would have expected in some ways. So a lot of the role guys have just been excellent. And I think Mitchell has kind of helped them 
center into roles that make sense for them. You mentioned Jetty, and I remember distinctly like last year, we had a whole conversation about his role and how he, he just wasn't really a prototypical guy that fits what J.B. Bickerstaff is trying to do, especially because J.B. Bickerstaff has this emphasis on defense, and, and he hasn't really given you that over the years. But he's been playing great this year. I think even on the defensive end, he's had a nice little uptick as well. And on the flip side of that, like Isaac Okoro is a guy who it seems like his minutes a couple games ago were slashed, and he's kind of gone to the back burn a little bit. Now he he did play more minutes and he actually finished the game in the fourth quarter last time out. But I guess where does Isaac Okoro fit? Like what is his role with this team versus Jetty's? Um, and I guess both when Darius Garland comes back and then also when do you get somebody like Ricky Rubio back in that second unit, which is another player that you then have to rotate in? I, I think – with Okoro, we should also just note that Sunday was the game where Jetty had such a bad defensive performance guarding Jalen Brunson that they went to Okoro. And while yeah, Okoro didn't too. like do a ton on offense, like he had to lob to Mobley, but overall was kind of it. Like he played well in defense in that game and was in the game for like most of the second half. So the, like it's going to be this thing where I think you see Bickerstaff push buttons where he maybe feels like he needs to. Like, tomorrow might be an Osmond game just because you're, you're probably going to have to match points with the Celtics to some degree. But, you know, maybe you play a team on the road. Up, like, maybe you're playing Sacramento next week on this road trip and Okoro is to defend De'Aaron Fox for a little bit or, or Stevie Mitchell or, or whomever, right? Like, maybe that's, like, a thing or a, a, a lever he pulls as as coach. Um, it'll be interesting just to see how this looks like. I would suspect, like, we will continue to see the Robin Lopez minutes just kind of be matchup dependent. Um, you know, how Neto has been, I think, aside from the first game, I think pretty what you'd expect. Rubio, I think, immediately takes his minutes. Um, but, like, you know, what is that? Does that carve into Levert's minutes? Does Okoro – Okoro basically has, I think, more than anyone else. He has from now until when Rubio gets back in some ways to prove that he deserves minutes. And mm. if he's done enough to make that case, you can't, and especially if you're trying to manage Rubio's load as he comes off that, that ACL tear – like maybe that gets him more minutes to start off and, it, and we see how that goes. And maybe that cuts into Levert's a little bit, or maybe you whittle some of off of Mitchell and Garland just to kind of keep them fresh for the postseason. But I, I think Okoro has to prove that he's going to be I think Jetty to some degree does too. I mean, we've seen him get benched by JB before. Yeah. If the defense slips, like I, I don't think his leash is unlimited in the same way it might be for some of these other guys. So I guess what does that mean for – like if a Coro, if the scoring doesn't come from a Coro, because we all hoped that year three he'd kind of figure it out, he'd become that three and D type player. If it doesn't come for him, like what do you think his future holds on this team? Like is he a guy that at the trade deadline maybe they're looking to move? Is he long for Cleveland if and the rotation if he can't get that part of his game sort of more consistent? He he's in the spot where so next year he becomes extension eligible. There is no chance he is going to get an extension next summer, I would guess, unless it's like an incredibly team-friendly thing, and especially because the lockout is happening as well. So it's like all these things you have to kind of consider. Yeah. Um, in that regard, like where it makes it really complicated for him. But it, like, I, I mean, I think everyone to some degree, aside from the, those core four, and like maybe Rubio because he's his vet, but he also is this like matchable salary. I think like everyone to some degree is playing to be in the plans going forward. Like, this is about Garland. It is about Mitchell. It is about 
it is about Mobley and it is about Allen. And I think Okoro, if he doesn't prove that he belongs to kind of be an accentuating piece of those guys, like you have to, his salary is one of the few you have left on the roster to, to maybe flip. And I, I think like you, you hope he figures it out and maybe that's something that's more likely to move on from him next summer in some kind of move. But it's a tricky spot for him because he has to kind of prove that he's going to fit, to fit with those guys and play meaningful minutes in the times this year already that hasn't happened. So he, he, in a lot of ways, I think is proving that he need, he needs to be someone you want to go forward with as you're trying to maximize this this Mitchell, Garland, Mobley, Allen era as much as you possibly can. That's what this is about for a court right now. Just a couple more minutes with Chris Manning, Locked on Cavs podcast, also for Dime Uproxx magazine. I hate to go to something fun and enjoyable as the Cavaliers are and have to pivot to something that's uh, not very uh, joyful or exciting at all, and that is the topic of Kyrie Irving. Um, Former Cavalier, obviously, which is why I think it's somewhat relevant to us, but more so just... I mean, the guy continues to put his foot in his mouth, and I... I don't know. Like, I I understand why there's a, a contingent of fans who try to just jump too well. He he's part of he's one of the big he made one of the biggest shots in Cavaliers history. Like, show some respect for him and whatever. But at this point, like he he gets mad that fans boo him when he comes back to certain places and things. But it's like, dude, you do this to yourself. Uh, I guess like, what do you what did you make of the the retweet the the comments that he made? It just felt so petulant to me. I'm at a point now where, like, I, I'm, I'm out on Kyrie. Like, I, I can't do it anymore. I, I, I've, I've tried to sort of be on that ship of, like, yeah, he's, he's an important part of this team's history. But, man, like, he makes it so hard. And, and this, is, this is the last straw for me. I, I can't possibly do it. I just feel the Nets move on from Steve Nash today. But that team's got bigger problems. And Kyrie is probably the biggest one. And the fact that there's no suspension coming, there's nothing. It, it just seems bizarre to me. I, I agree, Spencer. Like, I I think, like, for instance, like, the NBA PA statement about this was was weak. It was cowardly. It was – had no bite. It basically said nothing, even though it's, it's claiming to say something. It says nothing of value. Nothing I mean, and Chris, look, like – I sorry to interrupt, but I, 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 no, get, I get, like, the players' union or the players' association, like, they're out to defend the players. So they're never going to come out staunchly against anything a player does and says because, they again – we're in this player empowerment movement, right? Like they want the players to have the power and that's what they get with Brooklyn and Kyrie. But it's like, dude, to, to not take a solid stand on this is just, it's, it's laughable and it's a bad look for everybody. That is exactly it. If there was ever a time for, for the NBA PA, for the NBA, for the Brooklyn Nets, like to actually just make a statement about like, and actually just be like, look, we're going to do the right thing. We're going to stand up for, a community and and speak against these anti-Semitic comments, like the, the anti-Semitic thing that Kyrie put out there, the laughable things he said, the Alex Infowars Alex Jones things he is promoting, which are just utter nonsense. When you're, when you're toting that, you're gonna lose everybody. I mean, well, not he, everybody. He said, but... Like, there's there's no defending <laughs> Kyrie Irving. If you're still on the Kyrie Irving bandwagon, I, I I have a lot of questions about why you're still supporting this guy and what he's saying and doing and what he's promoting. Um. Like, if there's ever a time to actually, like, stand up for something when there's, like, a, there's a lot of anti-Semitism in the world right now, and there's a lot of fear-mongering and violence in the world right now in a lot of different ways, maybe you should actually say something of substance. I found the NBA PA statement appalling. I found the league's response sort of appalling. Like, I mean, someone, uh, Tommy Breer, who covers the Knicks, pointed out that, like, Myers Leonard 
got fined 50 grand by the Heat and, and was suspended. And, like, we haven't seen him in the NBA since when he made an anti-Semitic comment in an Instagram, like, live thing or something after a game. And, like, so I, I understand this isn't exactly a one-to-one comp, but, like, Kyrie doesn't get any repercussions, like, immediately. He played tonight. Like, what? what is this? I don't understand this. I don't understand standing with that guy. I think it's laughable, and I and I think what he's I think he's his legacy is like yes he did this huge shot that doesn't matter if he's going to promote all this wacko stuff and and treat people like they're not like just, just yeah. put anti-Semitic things out in the world it's laughable yeah. it's, it's it's reprehensible he, Kyrie this is the way I described it before you jumped on here but like Kyrie is this he's fake deep like he thinks he's this intellectual but he has like very surface level understanding of some of these things that he's talking about and sharing. And I mean, there's people saying I heard Amino Hassan talk about it. Like they they they've been told he didn't even watch this video. So he like they watched this movie. So he doesn't even really know. He just saw like the title and he's like, oh yeah, let's share that. Like I I know more than you. And it's it's bizarre to me. Um, it doesn't make sense. And I agree with you. Like it's so hypocritical for the league for the players union to to support the players and say like take a stand on all these other things right like the the George Floyd situation and you you put the bubble on pause for all these different things like yeah and, and listen I wholly support that as well but like to do it for that but then one of your superstar players does something that's questionable that's anti-semitic or shares it and can't doesn't have a good explanation for it and touts more like just fear-mongering, weird conspiracy theories, and your response is just like, well, well, we stand by the player, and we don't condone this, but, like, you can't you can't have it both ways. Like, it just feels like because he's a star, he's getting special and preferential treatment, which I guess we shouldn't be surprised because we talk about that in the court, right? Like, you call fouls for guys who are superstars, and you don't call fouls for guys who are new in the league. Like, it's, it's just all BS to me. It, it really is, Chris. I, I agree with you. I think it's nuts. And like on top of that, like the Nets hired a coach who was suspended for uh, yeah. for alleged sexual classic, harassment. classic. I, oh, I don't God. know how I don't know how you feel about this at this current moment. I don't know if I've ever felt like more grossed out by sports in some ways. The Deshaun Watson mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah, I get it. This the I Josh get it. Primo thing last week. Like the, I'm a, I'm gonna watch the World Cup. Like I'm not gonna tell you I'm not because I'm I I love soccer. Look up what is like the Qatar stuff. Is. Oh yeah. It's bad. It's, it's horrible. What they had to it's go horrible. through, like build the facilities and all that. Yeah. yeah it's, what uh, they what they did to people to build these facilities for the that like these people aren't gonna benefit from is it's horrendous, right? Like I've never felt just sort of more just like I love sports. I'm very excited to go cover Cast Celtics tomorrow. I'm very excited to like the Guardians this year, for instance, were one of the most fun like teams I think I've ever like watched yeah. from afar. Like, but there's also all this other stuff where I've never, and I'm glad we're like kind of reckoning with it because I think it's all hopefully at least to somewhere positive. I think like just some of the things that have happened and what is enabled and, and everything. Like, I think it's some of the grossest stuff we've kind of seen. Like, it, it feels like in this era right now, like things are just a little grimy and it's hard to wipe that off in some way. Yeah. We've let sports get that big. Is, is kind of the bottom line. Like, we've allowed it to get to this point. We've been the ones as consumers who've looked the other way on this stuff and just allowed it because we love our sports. And this is, I guess, the result we get. He's Chris Manning, Locked On Cast Podcast, Dime Up Rocks Magazine. I wish we could go on and on and on about this, but we do it to take a break. So, Chris, I appreciate the time, man. Hopefully we get a chance to chat about this more off-air together. And I appreciate you, brother. Thanks. Spencer, anytime. Chris Manning, Locked On Cast Podcast, Dime Up Rocks Magazine. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. clock at four. Donchich. 
The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 